0: hello welcome to the awakening report i'm your host doug hamp tonight we are going to take a look at the gen genetic apocalypse secrets of the mark of the beast i'm really excited about this i wanted to do this uh several weeks ago and youtube went down so i had to postpone that uh thank you everybody for waiting but we're going to get take a look at that before we get to that i have a special announcement I'm really excited about this, and uh, some of you know about this already, but I've really kind of kept this under wraps for the most part, and that is that I am working on a movie trilogy. Uh, Again, very excited about it. It's, it's It's a trilogy about a genetic final solution that threatens the human race and the rescue of a special but hated nation from the clutches of an evil and ascended master and the escape of a dark cosmic lord from his thousand year prison, who leads the planet to overthrow the rightful king. Now, you might have heard this story, all right? It is based on the Bible. But here's the thing. This is going to be a major blockbuster, uh, Hollywood-style kind of movie. I'm really excited about it because I want to take the end times message and have it be something that is not cheesy. It's not, you know, some of the... Uh, <laughs> what's the right word to use? Um I guess cheesy Christian stuff. But, you know, this is a kind of movie that you would enjoy seeing this, whether you're a Christian or not. And it's just an exciting movie. So it's going to be a trilogy. Movie one is about uh, the Mark of the Beast. Now, I'm using uh, Christian buzzwords here, okay, just to kind of give you the snapshot of what this is going to be. But it's, um, I, I kind of give you the log line. It's after Israeli soldier Caleb Baruch discovers a Nazi like scheme. To destroy Israel and enslave the world through human genetic alteration, he must warn his family and country before their fate is sealed forever. Movie two is, broadly speaking, about the opening of of the abyss. And then movie three, again, broadly speaking, is about the final rebellion that Satan will stage, that final coup after the thousand years of peace. Now, we're doing our very best. And I say we, because I've already hired a screenwriter who is working diligently on this. And uh, we're putting together a story as close as we can, as close as we can to what the Bible says. Now, obviously, there's going to be some fiction in there. There's going to be some liberties taken where we have to just make a choice. But we're going to try to make it uh, as biblically accurate as possible, but also a very exciting and compelling story. And so I'm really excited about the scene when Jesus comes back on his white horse uh, and where he just does some some massive butt kicking. Uh, it's going to be pretty amazing. So I would ask for you to just uh, keep that in your prayers. Uh, If you know of someone who is a reputable um, movie maker, producer, uh, that'd be good. We do have somebody already uh, who is interested in helping us make this movie. Uh, So I'm very excited about that. And then we, uh, of course, need money, right? It's going to take some money. But we have a plan. We're working on uh, starting with a kind of a prequel to this trilogy and uh starting with a a lower budget for this prequel movie and then after we get that done we're going to move up and uh move to the next thing uh to the trilogy so i'm very excited about it people have been showing some amazing interest uh people have already made some donations toward this and uh it's just going to be great and i think it's going to be a tremendous tool to share with people who want to see a, a great story an exciting story but also what the end times might look like. All right, so uh, just again, keep this in prayer. If you can help me do some networking, uh, if you know where to find money, uh, all of these things are very, very important. And uh, we already have an amazing uh, start on this project. So with that, I'm going to get started on the next thing, which is our presentation for this show. It's the genetic apocalypse secrets of the mark of the beast and this is uh, a very interesting uh topic obviously i think we don't even need to uh to explain that but this is really the seed of what genesis is or what revelation is talking about you had got in Revelation chapter 13 you have this beast who ascends out of the out of some uh out of the great sea and then He has this thing called his number, the mark of the beast. And people have been wondering about this for a long time. Now, uh, any of you that follow uh, my work, you will, of course, remember um, Corrupting the Image, Angels, Aliens, and the Antichrist Revealed. Uh, This has been a very popular book. And um, I was so delighted to be able to do the research uh, based on what we find in Genesis 3.15 that there will be this war between the seed of the woman and Satan's seed. We, of course, see the precursor to this back in Genesis chapter six, when you have the Nephilim. And uh, of course, there are many other things and I won't explain the whole book, but that is part of this process that we're gonna be taking a look at. So tonight we're gonna focus more specifically on the mark of the beast and what some of the technology and some of the uh sociological factors that are playing into this phenomenon so let's get started so first of all in order for us to get to this mark of the beast why would people ever take this thing the bible describes it as being something awful if you if you take this you are in big 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 trouble so why would people do this i believe there are certain things that have been uh, established to get people to that place the first is this idea that there's no God uh, and this is now it has a somewhat of a scientific ring you have of course the work of Charles Darwin you have Friedrich Nietzsche uh, both very influential men who have sort of uh thrown the seeds of intellectualism into this discussion because this is a very important question. How did we get here? Where did we come from? Uh, you know, was the world created? Has it always been here? And so now, with the uh, theory of Darwinian evolution, which, by the way, is losing um, a lot of interest in scientific circles, but at the popular level, it remains very popular because there really is no better alternative than what Darwin put forward and so this is the beginning of getting people to this place to believe that they can become their own gods and then the next idea of course is we evolved and you know if we've evolved this far and if the universe uh, has evolved and there must be you know if the universe is infinite there must be an infinite amount of planets out there and there must be infinite life forms because we evolved and so therefore something else must have evolved but here's the catch If we have evolved this far, why shouldn't we keep evolving? Why stop? Why not take control of our own evolution and go to the next level? And if we can keep on going, then let's choose what we want to be. You know, maybe being human is cool for some people, but some people want to be cats. Some people want to be uh, dogs. They want to be lions. They want to really change themselves. They want to be more demonic looking uh, or even acting. And so maybe they can change who they really are. Uh, we're going to see that there are uh, supposedly 71 genders. All right, talk about confusion. This is this is part of the confusion that Satan is sowing so that they're not just two genders, male and female, which God clearly says in his word. And for the last 6,000 years, roughly, has been pretty obvious. You've got male and female, but now supposedly there's all these other genders out there. And then we've also made major progress in genetics. And so this, of course, is a good thing. This is a wonderful thing. And so many illnesses and disease diseases can uh, will decrease and be cured. And, and that's, of course, a good thing. But it can always be twisted. That's the problem. And then next, we have transhumanism, that you can evolve into what you want to be. You can augment yourself. You can take advantage of the technology and create yourself the way you want to be so then we, it takes us to the image of the beast this is part of the technology that i believe is coming now i want to say concerning technology i love technology uh, i use technology all the time and i don't believe that people that are creating the technology that all, most of us are using i don't believe these people are evil uh, i don't think they're trying to be evil uh you know we're all fallen and we all uh, fall, fall short of god's grace of course but they're not trying to uh, you know, take down the world by creating these different things. But any one of these things could be part of the bigger puzzle, the greater mosaic that will uh, be this puzzle that we're, we're trying to take a look at. And so we have virtual assistants. Again, I think this is just one puzzle piece in this bigger mosaic that we're looking at. We have Baby X, it's a kind of technology I'm gonna sh- <clears throat> show you this a little bit later. Uh, but it's amazing. We have uh, robot bodies; they're totally lifelike, uh, and they can be used for it all different kinds of uh, uh, things out there. And then we have the evil Antichrist, and he commissions his own likeness. And we have the image of the beast. He's ultra intelligent. Uh, it's lifelike. It has breath. Is does it conscious? Uh, this is the big question. We don't know if it's conscious. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But whatever this thing is, it forces everyone to get the mark of the beast. And I'm going to make the case that that is a DNA change. And again, uh, if you want to learn more about that in greater detail, you can take a look at my book, Corrupting the Image. And then, of course, the last thing is that you can live forever. That's why people are going to do this. It's not just so they can get through the checkout faster. It's not just because you know they're tired of carrying their wallet, but it's, it's, there's a greater goal and that is to live forever and so i believe that we're going to see the rise of the mark of the beast which will be the ultimate upgrade now god said something very astounding back in genesis chapter 11 he said that man can do anything man can do anything look what he said the lord said look they are one people with the same language for all of them and this is only the beginning of what they do nothing that they have a mind to do will be impossible for them and this is why god scrambled the languages there at the tower of babel because he wanted people to spread out to uh, populate the world and they said hey let's build a tower lest we're scattered over the face of the earth and so then god came and scattered it now what we see is that the babel effect is being undone and which is again a really cool thing i use google translate all the time Uh, it's a very helpful tool it helps us to communicate with people from other countries which is great because you can't always know somebody's language and so there's it's great that we're overcoming some of these barriers but as we do it also means that some of those old dangers those old threats can now resurface and as we become one and we're, we're working together and the internet is just taking that to a another level of collaboration <clears throat> between uh between researchers and such it, it's taking this to another level and so as we overcome the Babel effect we're going to uh see things change very dramatically now when we take a look at revelation chapter 13 there's some important things that we need to consider it john says <clears throat> then i stood on the sand of the sea and i saw a beast rising up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns And on his horns, ten crowns, and on his heads, a blasphemous name. Now, the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who was able to make war with him? Now, when we look at the book of Revelation, we see that there are many symbols that are being used. And it's not always super easy to interpret what do these things mean. But if we take a look at what we saw in Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel, we have there uh, several different pictures of the same thing. Uh, starting in daniel chapter 2 remember that nebuchadnezzar has this dream and nobody is able no one is able to interpret it for him until daniel comes along and he says oh great king you are the head of gold all right and so that's the babylonian empire and then we have the, the the chest of silver and that's the medo persian empire and then we come to the uh the legs of brass and or the the legs are in the midsection of brass and then, which is Greece, and then we have the two legs of iron, and we have the feet, where the toes, and are mixed of both clay and iron. So we see there um, the Roman Empire, and then there's something about those toes that are going to be very different. And again, in the in the book of uh, corrupting the image, I suggest that we have a intermingling of two different kinds of of the demonic and the human <clears throat> now this um the 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 um this um uh, this antichrist or this beast he's going to have a uh a um, seven heads and ten horns now and nobody that we know ever has uh that kind of 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 perspective doesn't have that kind of appearance right so again there's something symbolic going on here and it's probably that these seven heads will be maybe seven rulers <clears throat> excuse me uh, ten horns uh, we will take a look at this as we continue to go throughout this study but notice that the dragon gave him his power his throne and great authority now Satan has to be very very committed to give these things up because last time I checked Satan is quite selfish And he doesn't want to give his power, his throne, and his authority to anybody unless it's going to further his bottom line. So, whoever he's giving this to is going to absolutely do his bidding. And it says, they worship the beast, saying, Who was like the beast? Who was able to make war with him? This is a very impressive person. And it says, He was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to pull to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads in the captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. And he who, here is a patience and the faith of the saints so this is going to be a specific person because he's going to speak actual blasphemies and when we compare this with daniel chapter 7 we see that there is a specific beast and that that beast is going to be thrown into the fire the fire that's coming out from god's throne Uh, we see this also in revelation chapter 19 that it speaks about the antichrist or the beast and the false prophet those two were thrown alive into the lake of fire so again this to think that this is only and solely a, a a world system or an empire doesn't make a lot of sense because it seems really difficult to throw um a A system or a world empire into the lake of fire it's talking about two specific individuals who will rise up and then we see another beast and i saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed so again here's the challenge Are we talking about a system or a person? And I I would submit to you that it might be both. It might be, uh, because it's using the symbolic language, it might be talking about a world system. Maybe it's talking about seven different uh, world empires. That's a possibility. But I also think that it is speaking specifically about an individual who will rise up in the last days. And we seem to have a reference to this individual in the book of Zechariah. And uh, speaking of this uh, one who will come, that um, he will be someone who will have a head wound. And that is, again, something that would appear to be speaking of the uh, the Antichrist. Now I'm excited because we're going to put all these uh, details Uh, in the movie and they're not going to be you know blatantly obvious sometimes we're going to really try to craft this so it's a very exciting story Uh, but uh, for the adept you guys will definitely see uh, what we're getting at so this one uh, he's going to have some kind of a head wound and he's going to tell those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lift now an image the greek word here is all right we know that as the word icon And an icon can be a number of different things. It could be a, you know, some kind of a statue. Uh, It could be an icon like uh, we have, uh, you know, you have the Nike swoop or you have the Coca-Cola swoosh. Uh, These are different kinds of icons. Uh, For those of us who use computers, we're familiar with icons. They, it's just a little picture and it tells you, you know, you click on that and then your app or whatever it is opens up or maybe on your phone. Those are little icons and so we are all familiar with icons. so exactly what this is going to be it may not be a statue Uh, it could be but we not we're not absolutely sure but whatever it's going to do this image will have the appearance of the beast it will work for the beast and then it will have the power it will have the power to make everyone take the mark it says he was granted power so this is the icon the, uh, the image of the beast, he was granted power. Uh, oh, excuse me. This is speaking about the, the false prophet. He was granted power to give breath to the image, to the icon of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on the right hand and on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark, or the name of the beast or the number of his name here is wisdom let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man his number is 666 or 666 or we will take a look at every one of these things all right so so many exciting things uh we're going to discuss what is this mark what is the number 666 what might that be uh exactly uh how is it going to show up on the right hand uh is it something that's kind of stamped on your forehead or is it something that shows up later uh and those are some of the ideas that we're going to take a look at uh in this study so some important clues that are found in the book of revelation we have the dragon we've got the beast he's going to speak blasphemies he's going to make war with the saints now the saints are those people that god called holy now the word holy is often misunderstood we think that it means morally perfect it doesn't uh we haven't found any morally perfect people since uh adam okay so uh we we can kind of rule that out holy just means absolutely set apart and i would make a wager that the holiest thing in your house is actually your toilet brush now you're gonna say wait a second how can you say that well think about it if the word holy means set apart and that is the actual textbook definition, something that's absolutely set apart for one particular purpose, then your toilet brush is, at least in my house, it only does one thing, all right? It doesn't do double duty for anything else. It only it only does one job, and then it just sits there until we do that job again. And so therefore, it's absolutely holy. And we see the word kadosh, we see it used in a number of different places where it talks about, you know, you should not let your daughter or your son be a cult prostitute. That There's the word kedusha or kedush, um, which is speaking about somebody who is uh, set apart for uh, not a good purpose, but definitely set apart for a purpose. And so when we look in De- uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, God says, for you are a holy people to the lord your god the lord your god has chosen you to be a people for himself a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth so the holy people is speaking about the nation not necessarily the modern state but let's call them the hebrews the descendants of abraham isaac and jacob And uh, this is a whole other discussion, uh, but this is talking about the commonwealth. Uh, Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, that you who were once far off, you Gentiles who were once far off, have now been brought near by the blood of Christ. And now you're fellow heirs, you're part of the commonwealth of Israel. And so uh, anybody who, you know, in a sense, believes in God, who is part of this commonwealth of Israel, Satan and the beast are going to make war against them. And so, uh, from the first beast, we're then going to have uh, coming the second beast, and he's going to create the image of the first beast, and that is going to require all to take the mark of the beast. Now, if you take the mark of the beast, you are doomed. And what we're going to see in a few moments here is that, uh, in order to be doomed, you must do three things: worship the beast, you must take the image, right, worship the the image as well, and then take or receive the mark all right so we're going to come back to that in just a moment so let's now turn our attention to say how are we going to get there how will humanity get to that place and i, I think we've already laid out a few things but we're we're getting um we're, we're definitely getting there so again we have this idea that there is no god uh thanks to darwin frederick nietzsche uh, we have evolved therefore keep evolving and you can choose what you want to be human animal demonic And of course, as I said, there's already 71 genders, whereas God made two. And so we have a tremendous amount of confusion. And I believe that transgenderism is a means to a transhuman end and possibly the mark of the beast. I'm not saying that one is going to absolutely lead to the other, but it paves the way for the other. It sets the stage so that when we get to the time of taking the mark, People say, "Well, we've already overcome so many of these obstacles, you know, and you can decide your own gender. You can change your your sex if you want. Uh, you can decide is not male or female, but something else. You can make up your own thing." And there's so much confusion that this is going to play into the hands of the enemy, so that people will be willing uh, and really caught off guard when they take this thing. Now, according to uh, C.N.S. News, Doctor Paul. McHugh, he's the former uh, psychiatrist-in-chief for Johns Hopkins Hospital. Now, that's a very distinguished hospital, and its current distinguished service professor of psychiatry said that transgenderism is a mental disorder that merits treatment, that sex change is biologically impossible, and that people who promote sexual reassignment surgery are collaborating with and promoting a mental disorder. And sadly, uh, this has been Uh, Well-received, many people in Hollywood and other places uh, think this is absolutely normal. And if you speak out against it, you're somehow a bigot, you're just not a nice person, and they want to give you a piece of their mind if you speak out against it. But, oh, the utter confusion when we have this kind of talk. And there's purpose, I believe they're purposefully creating confusion over the two genders that god created because again it sets the stage for what is coming and god says that he created man in his own image the image of god he created him male and female he created them so now if there's 71 or whatever it is um, are are those in the image of god well that's a good question but again is there even a god that's the bigger question for, for some people and if as evolution suggests, we have evolved this far. Who's to say you can't decide to be whatever you want? And and this is where we have to come back to the Bible and say, no, we've got to stick with what God said. There's only two. You either have an X and a Y, or you have an XX. That's it. That's why it's so easy to, to really figure out what you are, and you can't go and say, well, I'm something else. No, you're, you're either this or that. Now, you might be a woman who's a little bit of a Kind of tomboyish okay you might be a guy who's slightly effeminate okay but it doesn't make you the other it doesn't make you the other and so stay with the sex that god gave you really works out a whole lot better so Could it be that this is prepping mankind for the coming of the Mark of the Beast, or 666? Transgenderism is prepping, I believe, mankind for the Mark because it makes us question the most basic assumption about who each of us is, male or female, which is 100% antithetical to God creating man, male, and female. If male and female are in question and can be changed, then perhaps humanity is up for grabs too. And speaking of being transformed into beasts... These are some <laughs> humans who believe that this is a better alternative to just having a pretty face and regular hair. Uh, as you can see, one man put whiskers in his uh, face to be some kind of a cat. Now, I, I wonder how these people hold down a day job. Uh, I'm supposing they don't. But uh, again, this is a kind of de um, uh, you know, just disfiguration that people some people want to do. their bodies obviously this is very extreme but again it it always takes it to that extreme level and then we come back a little bit and then by the time we move on these things don't seem as extreme after some years so again after all these things could it be that man is ready to become the beast he's actually ready to be transformed and to be something else but not only to be a beast but maybe to become a god so transhumanism is a slippery slope to destruction i would argue that it is so man becoming his own god we have transhumanist richard seed he says we're going to become gods period but if you're going to interfere with me becoming a god you're going to have trouble there'll be warfare so he's very set on becoming a god and again if you don't believe in god you don't believe that there is an afterlife that there's a resurrection that there's hope beyond the grave then of course you're going to fight tooth and nail to hold on to this life because it's all you have. And look, I, I, I'm not trying to die. I'm not trying to check out early. I want to enjoy my life, and I praise God and thank him every day that he has uh, put me on this, this planet. But I also know that a day's coming when I will check out. It happens to everyone, and I'm okay with that because there's something far better something far better when uh he comes and gives me my resurrected body that's going to be way better but again if this is all you have then you're going to hold on to it with everything you can now concerning transgenics uh genetic scientists have already incorporated selected spider dna into goat embryos to engineer a hybrid spider goat the result is a goat that looks like a goat acts like a goat but produces milk which contains proteins which when treated produce a very close imitation of the valuable spider silk. So you have already uh, these things that are happening. Uh, The the green eggs and ham, Taiwan researchers have mingled the seed genetic material of pigs with jellyfish that glow in the dark to create real life green eggs and ham. Uh, And they claim that while other researchers have bred partly fluorescent pigs, theirs are the only pigs in the world which are green through and through. Uh, The pigs are transgenic created by adding genetic material from jellyfish into a normal pig embryo and this is old news i just want to point that out this is 2006 all right so they have been busy since 2006 but this gives you an idea of the kind of research the kind of progress that they're already making according to juan enriquez chairman and ceo of biotech comedy he stated that humanity is on the verge of becoming a new and utterly unique species homo evolutus And what makes this species so unique is that it takes direct and deliberate control over the evolution of the species. The day may come when we're able to take the best biology of the known animal kingdom and make it part of our own. This isn't just about being a bit stronger or having perfect eyesight our whole lives. All of our organs and limbs have weaknesses that can be addressed. And there are also opportunities to go beyond basic fixes and perform more elaborate enhancements. So this is what, uh, you know, what he is saying. Uh, concerning where we're going homo evolutus and again why not if we can if we uh, have evolved this far why not just keep on evolving again makes sense uh the chimera the chimera in greek mythology was a monster with a lion's head a goat's tail a dragon's tail it was universally viewed by the greeks as a hideous creature precisely because of its unnatural hybrid makeup And we're in a time where scientists are seriously contemplating the creation of human-animal hybrids. That's according to Joseph and Franco. And uh, according to Werner Verge, he writes in H+, within 30 years, we will have the technological means to create superhuman intelligence. Shortly thereafter, the human era will be ended. And I believe that is where we're going. We're coming to that place that we are getting there. Now, they're predicting that by 2045, we will hit the singularity. And it would appear that we're making great strides toward that. Uh, According to uh, Leon Cass, he says, human nature itself lies on the operating table, ready for alteration, for eugenic and psychic enhancement, for wholesale redesign. Now, let me just stop there eugenic the eugenics movement was started in america in the 1920s and what happened is they did forced sterilizations on the undesirables uh so somebody who was undesirable might be someone who uh, is of the wrong race they have the wrong color skin uh maybe they're a little bit slow you know maybe they're uh mentally they're you know not um, as fast as somebody else and so some people made the decision that because this person is mentally challenged, that they should not be able to have children. And this uh, eugenics program started here, but then guess who caught wind of it? The Germans, and it was taken over. And the idea of eugenic uh, eugenics or racial cleansing is what they called it. Racial cleansing uh, took on, and of course we know what happened from there. Uh, they slaughtered millions of people uh in order to get rid of it now part of their rationale was that they did not want uh, the lower species the lower subset of humanity to mingle with the the pure aryan race and so they wanted to uh they were trying to create in amongst themselves by uh you know beautiful people mating with beautiful people to create a high super race called the ubermensch uh the superman that was their their uh their idea but of course it it ultimately failed uh for various reasons that we won't go into right now but now we're uh, trying to do the same thing we're trying to create the superman uh, is what is happening and so he goes on to say in leading laboratories academic and industrial new creators are confidently amassing their powers and quietly honing their skills while on the street their evangelists are zealously prophesying a posthuman future For anyone who cares about preserving our humanity the time has come for paying attention all right so we are here uh this is from the daily mail they say 150 human animal hybrids are grown in uk labs embryos produced secretively uh for a number of years and so we're really at the place where humanity is on the verge of becoming transhumanist and the steps that have been needed to get here to reject the image of god first of all that man has had no fear of god which is only natural if people feel that god has been disproven through evolution and of course if there is no god then there is no need to submit to his word and having rejected the author of the word man is under no obligation to accept the statements in his book nor is he seeking the solution to man's problems prescribed in the book and believing that he's evolved this far, and the complexity of the human body is due to evolution, man believes that he should carry on his own evolution. Man desires to direct his own destiny and rewrite his source code by mixing it with creatures, and by rewriting his DNA according to his own wisdom, man therefore rejects the image of God, which is coded in his DNA. And should the right opportunity arise, man might be willing To go through the ultimate upgrade and thereby completely reject the image of god i believe that we are seeing these things unfold before us here's what elon musk says uh, concerning artificial intelligence he thinks it's our biggest existential threat and that we are summoning the demon now these are these are powerful words now it doesn't mean that we have to believe that everything uh elon musk says is true But he is somebody who is in the field. Uh, Obviously, the uh, Tesla cars are very much into uh, computers and and AI and all kinds of things. And so he's kind of someone who is an insider to this discussion. And he says we should be very careful about artificial intelligence. If I had to guess at what our biggest existential threat is, it's probably that. So we need to be very careful, said Musk. I'm increasingly inclined to think that there should be some regulatory oversight, maybe at the national international level, just to make sure that we don't do something very foolish. With artificial intelligence, we are summoning the demon. And all those stories where there's the guy with the pentagram and the holy water, it's like, yeah, sure, he's sure he can control the demon. Doesn't work out, said Musk, talking about computer science, AI, space exploration, and the colonization of Mars. So again, the hubris on the part of of humanity is like oh we got this we can control this and then he summons the demon and suddenly he discovers the demons far more powerful than he could have imagined and i believe that is where we are now it's interesting in revelation chapter 9 we see something that doesn't say they're immortal but it sure sounds like these people are immortal it says they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the form of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die, and death will flee from them. Now, wait a second. Uh, sadly we see that people commit suicide each and every day and you know if you're desperate enough if you're just so down on life that you want to end your life uh, you're you know most often you can find a way to do that it's sad to say but it's true and so how can it be that in those days you have people that want to die they're gonna seek death And they won't find it so if if you cannot die but you want to die what does that make you that makes you immortal now don't get confused i'm not suggesting that these people have the same kind of immortality that god can give not at all it's a very different quality of immortality but in the sense that their body will not die when they try to kill it they have that kind of immortality and so much so that death will flee from them so maybe they're able to kind of kill themselves maybe they they jump off a bridge and they break their legs, but they don't die. Maybe they stand in front of the train and they kind of get all smushed, uh, but then their body regenerates somehow. It's able to keep on living. What I'm predicting, and again, this is gonna be in movie number two, is that we're gonna have a a class of zombie-like people, that they're gonna be people who will have taken the mark and they're gonna realize that they took the wrong path and they're gonna want to end it all. And they're going to seek death but they won't find it they'll try to kill themselves but they won't be able to but they're not able to kill themselves because immortality is what they wanted they wanted to take the mark of the beast so that they could live forever and not die and then that's exactly what they get and they discover it's not what they want now it's interesting as we see here that there's also another saying do not harm the earth the sea or the trees till we have sealed the servants of argon on their foreheads so what the enemy does in his counterfeit way god also does in his uh his archetype way he's the first to do this now it begs the question will there uh, you know be a mark on the servants of god on their forehead something that you can see is it more in the spiritual realm is it something that's invisible we don't know the answer to that question but however it happens god is going to also seal his people now i want to draw your attention to how quickly technology is advancing so if we look here at the calculations per second per one thousand dollars starting in the 1900s uh, it was way low, it, you could only do very, very little. Uh, and then as as things continue to uh, in, to increase in, in technology and um, in complexity, we go from the electromechanical to the relay, to the vacuum tube, to the 1970s, we have the beginning of the transistor. And then in the 1980s, we have the integrated circuit. And that's when things like uh, Apple and Microsoft show up because of those integrated circuits. And then, of course, we get to the 2000s and, and beyond. And you can start to see that we have a parabolic curve. All right, you can see that this curve is starting to go up and eventually it's going to go up so high that it's, we're, we're going to hit what people are calling the singularity, where technology is increasing so quickly that it's a, it's a parabolic curve. And so if we look at 120 uh, years of Moore's law, Again, uh, kind of a similar type of graph, but we can see uh, all the different kinds of computers that have, have uh, taken off. Uh, again, we can see that curve that it's becoming parabolic and it won't be long until it's just a straight up line. And that means that technology is increasing so quickly that really the sky's the limit. Now compare that with this other graph and i I show this not because i necessarily believe it but this is the mentality that many many people have and so there's a bias that's built in the bias is it's our destiny to evolve you know uh years ago the uh many of the uh, colonial powers believed that it was their manifest destiny uh to colonize other parts of the world uh the white man uh, to some degree, had this manifest destiny that he was supposed to to uh, civilize the rest of the world. All right. Uh, so right now, of course, we you know that's really fallen out of vogue, and we have something different now. Many people believe that it's our destiny to evolve, and so we hear this kind of language all the time. Well, we we've evolved this long, and you know we we it's taken us um, you know millions and millions of years to evolve to where we are and so here we are so let's keep going so the inherent biases of evolution is that we mysteriously evolved from non-life therefore we can and we must eventually evolve to the next level and now humanity is at the place where we can actually decide what we want our evolution to be and so you can see we go from a biogenesis a biogenesis means uh biogenesis from non-life okay that somehow we went from rocks we went from mud to now somehow getting life and nobody of course knows how that actually happened but hey it happened so it must have happened right it must have happened all by evolution and so now we come to this place in our digital future you can see that our, our we have cells we have human evolution and then our brains all right again those just evolved somehow we're not quite sure they're pretty amazing machines but and then what comes after the brain the digital all right and then the next thing with the big question mark is the bio digital fusion where we start to mingle the brain and our our silicon chips together in some way so that we can become godlike. Now again, is, is it wrong to enhance ourselves with some type of technology? Well, not really there's nothing inherently wrong with that. There's nothing inherently wrong with uh, you know in cre- in augmenting our bodies or, or making them better or fixing things. I don't believe that's the problem. But I believe it's when we start tinkering with our DNA to the extent that the code that God has put in us in his image no longer reflects his image. I believe that is where the problem lies. And uh, again, I just want to say that I'm very much pro-technology, but I'm against the mark of the beast. Now, uh, Ray Kurzweil, a very intelligent man, uh, he has been speaking about the singularity for a long time, and he reserves the term singularity for a rapid increase in artificial intelligence as opposed to other technologies, uh, writing, for example, that the singularity will allow us to transcend these limitations of our biological bodies and brains. There'll be no distinction post-singularity between human and machine. He also defines his predicted date of the singularity at 2045 in terms of when he expects computer-based intelligences to significantly exceed the sum total of human brain power, writing that advances in computing before that date will not represent the singularity because they do not yet correspond to a profound expansion of our intelligence so everything that we've seen up until now will seem like child's play and by the time we get to 2045 there'll be this kind of this quantum leap this singularity where man is really no longer human man is now post-human and so from from now until then we're in this stage of transhumanism the trans being that we're, we're transitioning from just being simple humans to now being something you know human plus uh to become better than what we are today. And again, while it sounds nice, it sounds exciting and you know, of course, who want who doesn't want to have superhuman strength and all that stuff, but it comes at a price. And what I would suggest is that while Ray Kurzweil may have, you know, nice motives, I don't know, but it only takes one crazy man to take something that is meant intended for good and to use it for evil. And I believe that is what the antichrist will do and my computer is kind of stuck here one second we'll get it going so we see happening today biohacking uh, this is happening today. Gabrielle Lacina, who achieved night vision and can see in the dark. There's Kevin Warwick, whose project is to connect the human brain to the Internet. Then we have Tim Cannon, who implanted a device connecting to his Android phone on his arm, and he can track his health through the device, and it sends him text messages when something is wrong. Uh, and then we have Neil Harbison, The first cyborg to be officially recognized by a government he can hear colors and has antenna implanted in his skull interesting he can hear colors so uh this little device you can see there with the number one in front of it it can it looks at the apple it it then senses what color it is and then it translates that into some kind of a signal that goes to his ears and then he can hear what color that is now again that sounds pretty pretty weird uh so but here you have technology that's helping a guy that he's colorblind and so he cannot see any colors and so this technology is helping him now on the surface that's great there's nothing wrong with that in my opinion but what would what can come from it is that we can say look we've already come this far why not go to that next stage why not just take this technology that is being put in front of us so that we can become all that we want to be number five magnetic implants biohackers have achieved a sixth sense to feel the electric fields and the magnetic fields in their fingers this is kind of a sort of a uh, second touch it sounds really sci-fi it does sound really cool that i can actually feel some kind of a magnetic pulse uh, through my fingers but again uh, does God want us to have this? Is this something that we should have, or are we playing with the demons? That's the real question. Or how about uploading your consciousness to the internet? It's theoretically possible, claims Stephen Hawking, uh, who is no longer here uh to see that uh as a reality. And then the human body as a power source, the Naomi uh Kisner project. So see, these are just some of the biohacking things that are happening today, uh, transhumanism that's already happening. Now, it may come that it it may be unethical to not use engineering. That's the, the genetic engineering. So some people may argue that not using genetic engineering is unethical because it condemns children to preventable suffering. And I would argue that the mark of the beast will likewise be argued that not taking it is unethical since it condemns to death. It's kind of the whole question about vaccines. Uh, people can become very emotional and passionate about whether their children should take vaccines or not. All right. And some people say you are being absolutely uh, r- ridiculous and unethical, and you are not taking care of your kids by not vaccinating them. And of course some parents would say well i don't want to vaccinate them because i think i'm exposing them to you know harmful things all right and so that it really has this huge question which is the right path to take and it may be that we get to a place where the technology is so good theoretically that people would say you are being a bad parent by not giving this to your kid by withholding this technology from your child you are being a bad parent and your, your kids should be taken away from you now Again, just to demonstrate how far along we are, you can literally buy a do-it-yourself bacterial gene engineering CRISPR kit for $160 on the internet today. Uh, You can buy this and you can start tinkering in your own uh, basement or garage. Uh, and start changing things at the genetic level. So this, this is what's important to understand. This is not something that's, you know, 20, 30, 40 years away, and, and the, the genetic engineering can only happen in big, fancy laboratories. No, it can happen in your home laboratory for a, a mere $160. Now, you're probably not going to invent uh, Frankenstein with this thing, but again, it shows you how accessible the technology is. and and it may be that we're going to come to the technology that is going to allow humanity to change radically now i'm going to skip this video i would encourage you to check this out on the internet uh this is the crispr cas9 gene editing uh, and it just gives a basic summary of what that is Uh, i'm not going to show it for um uh, for reasons of licensing and and the audio may not come out clearly but i will kind of give you the uh just the the basics of here so people have speculated that crispr cas9 technology could eventually be used to rid the world of disease entirely or reverse aging and while we're not quite at that level yet crispr certainly is a powerful tool and it has the potential to change the world we live in for example we can end disease potentially uh designer babies or possibly eternal youth and the way that it happens essentially is that using the crispr cas9 technology Uh, we're now able to edit genes in a living organism. And that's very, very important to understand that you can now edit genes in a living organism, not something that's just, um, you know, in the Petri dish and you're, you're kind of starting off from just a a little colony of something, but no, we're talking about actual people or animals or things that are already alive. And you can go and you can swap out the DNA. Uh, just think of it like you might in a, in a word document, you might, uh, uh, highlight something, and then you might copy and paste. That's the kind of simplicity that we're talking about. And so now if you can take the code uh, for designer babies, you are know, like I want my baby to have blue eyes, okay, or I want my baby to, you know, have uh, long legs or whatever it may be, then you can f- isolate that particular gene and stick it in the code all right so you can literally have these designer babies all right but of course it starts with ending disease and of course who doesn't want to end disease i want to end disease but if we do that should we then also go to designer babies some people's going to do it Some some people will do it and then what about eternal youth i mean goodness do i really want to get old do i want my mom to get old do i want my wife to get old what if we could all stay young what if we could keep that life going for a long time these are the questions that we are going to be confronted with. However, as we all know, with great power comes great responsibility. In 2015, the world saw the first instance of genome editing in human embryos. While these embryos were in fact not viable for life, it created a huge uproar and it will probably take years for genome engineering to become commonplace, but one could imagine the path it might take. We'd start by correcting genetic diseases and fighting disease. The question may even change from, is it ethical to use it to, is it ethical not to use it? But once the door is open, it's not a big step to start using CRISPR-Cas9 for so-called vanity traits, such as good looks, intelligence, or athleticism. And as Duzun said, once the discovery is made, it's out there. Okay. <laughs> right? So, uh, it's hard to put the thing back in the, in the bottle, but of course there could be a darker side, uh, maybe some dictator, uh, might say, well, you know, this is how we're going to do it. everyone has to be transformed. And this is what I would suggest. Sounds like the antichrist, uh, from my perspective, that the mark of the beast is going to be a genetic transformation in the person. And once it's out there and they say, look, everyone has to get this, this sounds a lot like the Antichrist to me. Now, it, there was a, 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 a YouTube video out there and the, there was a question in the comment section uh, with CRISPR Cas9, what would you change? And these are real responses from people uh, in the comment section. Uh, you can see the YouTube link down there if you want to go and check that out. You can see the, the responses. One person says, I'd like to be taller okay you know uh one is i would just like to not have muscular dystrophy that's all i need to be happy uh one says i'd like to be superwoman Uh, i wish i were smarter than everyone uh, to have spider-man's powers i would fix the genes that cause eds so i'm not a cripple anymore well that sounds you know of course very noble uh here i would like to have eternally perfect health wow so these things that people are are asking for, they would like these things if they could actually do it. If CRISPR-Cas9 could deliver on these things, it looks like a lot of people would have very direct ideas of what they would like to change. And then the last one, I think the rewards far outweigh all the risks. I'm all in for fully legalizing gene editing with peer review oversight, of course, right? So again, this is just gives you a little snapshot of what people are thinking about gene editing they're all for it and the technology is just advancing faster than we can really keep up with it is progressing very very quickly now what's amazing is that there's a plan that god has for us and it's far better than transhumanism and i think this is where we believers need to come to grips and say you know maybe we've missed the boat a little bit on what god would have for us so God has already intended for us to be immortal all right so that's something that he already has in the works he wants to give us angelic like bodies when we uh, arrive on the other side and also to be disease free super intelligent these are things that are waiting for us and limitless powers to move mountains Now, this one is a little bit controversial because jesus talked about moving mountains if you have the faith to do it and and I haven't seen people be moving mountains lately. I have not been moving mountains lately. So it begs a question. Is there something out there that we are not taking advantage of that God wants us to have? And I would argue yes. Uh, I would I would uh, turn you to the the uh, video that I made called Rethinking Prayer and uh, take a look at that. Uh, it's three hours and I go into a lot of detail about quantum physics and uh Neuro uh neurological pathways and other things very exciting stuff and you can just get an idea i believe that we're leaving a lot of things on the table that god wants for us to have and i believe that if we were actually to be using uh the powers that god has for us and i don't mean powers like you know superman powers or something like that but i mean just the 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 prerogatives the benefits the blessings that he's already said are ours but most of us just don't really believe them And if we were to take advantage of those then we would not be that impressed by transhumanism but because the church by and large and i include myself in this because by and large we don't uh, really believe what god has said when it comes to healing and to this amazing kind of faith like we used to see back in the days of elijah elisha of course jesus the disciples that kind of faith if we were to be doing those kinds of things, we would not be that impressed with transhumanism. We'd be like, well, of course I can heal. I mean, I don't heal. God heals. But he's said that I can have this type of power working through me, his power working through me, to heal uh, and to to do these things that are needed to be done. And if, and sadly, we don't take advantage of it. So now the transhumanist promises are similar. To be immortal to have a bio robotic kind of body or something like that, uh, to be disease free, super intelligent, and have enhanced senses or powers. But you see, God has already promised us these things. And I would suggest that many of us, probably probably most of us don't really believe that those things are available for us today. So that's something that each of us needs to kind of look deep within and say, okay, Lord, how am I missing it? How do I change this? Uh, What can I do? All right, so this leads us now to what is 666? This is the big question. So it says here in Revelation 13, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except the one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. It is, his number is 666. Now, here's what I want to suggest what the mark is not. All right. I I do not believe that is an RFID chip. Um, You know, when these came out, they're pretty amazing. You know, they're now in all kinds of packages so that, uh, you know, Amazon is toying with uh, having stores where they don't really have any employees. You can just go in, get what you want, walk out and the sensors will know that you have it and they'll just, you know, they'll bill your your credit card. Uh, So RFID chips. Now, think about it. If you can put this thing in, you can also take it out and it would be probably awkward to put this in your forehead. So this is probably not the technology of the mark of the beast. It's probably not the fulfillment. Of course, you know, back in the day, back in the 90s, uh, when the barcode came out, whoa you know i remember hearing about it hey this is the this is that the mark of the beast right and i i did research and i'm like oh my goodness like look at those lines you know those red lines they symbolize the number six and you can find it in every package right and so that was kind of the thing now i'm not saying that this may not be part of the bigger puzzle but I don't believe that uh, the mark of the beast will just be people with barcodes, barcodes on their foreheads or on their hands. Um, th- this is it's kind of 1990s uh, mentality. So I don't think that either of these technologies, while they're very interesting, very beneficial, I don't think these are going to be the basis of the mark of the beast. Now, there's also uh, a, a very popular theory uh, that uh, that the name Allah is actually 666 and this is based on uh a examination of these letters and then a comparison with the greek letters so you have the he see sigma and that uh when you compare what what john was really seeing he just he just kind of wrote these down as what he was seeing uh he wasn't trying to say 666 but he was trying to say the name allah um, I, I'm I'm less convinced of this. I I just don't think it makes a lot of sense. For for example, Arabic can be stylized very differently. It doesn't have to always look like that. So this is not consistent. Um, the the chi, which is a sixty, is standing in Greek, whereas it's lying in in Arabic and, and quite a few of these things. And then uh, the sigma is not the same, and the Arabic is on its side. So there are just a number of things that maybe go. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not entirely convinced that we're looking at the name of Allah. now could it be that people might think that it is somehow related i think that's possible that maybe um when this mark happens that it might have an appearance that kind of gives people this idea that oh my goodness you know this uh, we need to get this mark because that's the mahadi or something like that but again i'm just not really convinced that this is actually the mark now, we also have the Greek gematria, and I think probably that the, the number of his name is probably the value of what his name is. And so in Greek, as in Hebrew, each letter represented a number because they did not have a separate uh, system for numbers. We have uh, the, the uh, they're actually Indian numbers. Uh, sometimes people call them Arabic numbers, but they're actually Indian numbers. And um they're very handy uh but they did not have those uh much in the ancient world so each letter has its own value and so we can see here uh one reads philo a arithme so i love hers number i love her whose number is 545 all right so uh this is an ancient greek manuscript and he's actually using the 545 to talk about uh, who this is now we don't know because there could be a lot of ladies with the number five four or five. but you know there's only so many that could have that particular number uh but it's you know kind of a a cute way to say that so this to me sounds like what the uh what john is saying that this person has a name and the value of his name is 666. uh there's another one uh, Amer, uh thought upon his lady harmonia for good the number of her honorable name is 45. Okay, so again, the bottom line here is once we know what his name is, it will in some way add up to 666. But the trouble is, knowing 666 does not reveal his name. So we could, you know, take this number and start putting a bunch of names in there, and we could get a bunch of results. Uh, You know, some people thought it must be Nero because that added up, but there are other names that add up to 666 as well. So it's not only Nero, but we will not know until this person is revealed and then once he is revealed and his the letters of his name are added up oh it's 666 okay so there is something to that and as far as it being on the forehead and the hand i believe that we're uh we have kind of this endorsing of god's word on the forehead and the hand this is the prototype and then putting it on the forehead of the hand uh in the in the and uh, the the beast system will be the counterfeit, and so we see here in Deuteronomy chapter eleven. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be for frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, and you shall write them on the doorposts, etc. And so, I believe that this is actually the the biblical prototype of what is going to be later the counterfeit. Now, concerning the mark, according to the Liddell Scott Jones' uh, classical Greek lexicon, uh, this word here is engraved, imprinted, stamped, uh, or an endorsement, or even a snake bite. That's also a mark, all right? And the word here in Greek is charagma, charagma, and it's any mark engraved, imprinted, or branded, uh, such as the serpent's mark, that is, it's the bite or the sting and with this un, in mind here so we have that we also have stamp money or coin we have a metaphorically speaking a mark a stamp or a character so it could be somebody's character stamped in or an endorsement so it's hard to say exactly which one of those it is but let's consider the the snake bite uh, for just a moment so you can see there this person uh, who has been writ- bitten by a snake and there are two fang marks that are left that is the charagma. that is what's left from uh, the snake bite. I would suggest that something that is analogous to that, okay, and again, I say analogous, because I'm not saying it's absolutely this, but uh, it's something that's similar, that the mark could be like a snake bite mark or a vaccination mark. So the mark from a snake bite is what is left over from the snake biting. The venom has been injected, thus the mark is the scar or the memory of what happened. So I raise the question: Could the mark of the beast be analogous? It is—is is it the wound or evidence of an injection that was made there, or something that manifests later? So imagine this scenario, if you will. Somebody says, "Okay, I want to take the mark of the beast because I want to live forever. I want to change my DNA so that I can become a god." And perhaps uh, the injection is made in the uh, on the right hand possibility. Uh, That does seem less likely because we don't put things on our hands, though it is interesting that uh, the hand, at least in Hebrew, can be from your fingers all the way up to your elbow. That's considered your hand. So that's one possibility. But but maybe it's also something that will manifest. So after you've taken this, there will be some kind of a growth that emits, that comes out or manifests on your right hand or on your forehead. So what I'm suggesting here is that, The mark may not be the thing that you're trying to get. It may be the thing that you receive after the fact that you can definitely see the mark. It's evidence that you have received whatever it is you're supposed to receive. And this now becomes proof positive, just like uh, these two photographs here of these people who have a scar from getting a vaccine. They didn't get the vaccine so they could get the scar. The scar was what they got because they supposedly got some benefits from the vaccine and the scar was something that was left over. Now, another possibility, uh, and this is coming from um, uh, T. Huber. Uh, He's a PhD candidate in pharmaceutical sciences at University of Kentucky. And uh, he contacted me probably about a year and a half ago and he shared with me this really interesting idea. He said that the average molecular weight of one base pair of DNA and RNA is 666 grams per molecule or 666 atomic mass units and i would just you know my my jaw hit the floor i'm like seriously and so he explained this uh it was pretty interesting stuff wow uh here's maybe another way we could look at this of what the mark of the beast could be. Maybe it, so. He was suggesting. He said that he was reading my book, uh, corrupting the image, and he started thinking about this. And he's like, "Wow, could it be something at the molecular or the DNA level?" And so he went ahead and, and did this, and he found that it comes out to 666. So, uh, pretty wild stuff there. So, what is 666? Well, again, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, everyone, no exceptions, to receive a mark on their right hand. On their foreheads some kind of an imprint and that no one can buy or sell that is trade is impossible without it and the consequence for not getting it but what is the motivating reason to get it you see i think we've kind of looked at it and said well we know what's going to happen if you don't get it but is that the actual reason to get it you know that's that's the big question that we really have to consider is that the real real reason to get the mark Or is that what's going to happen if you don't get the mark? And so that's where I would suggest that we are. Uh, So, except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name, here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man and his number is 666. So, could it be that some kind of a, a mixture between gematria and molecular weight? Again, we don't know entirely. But, uh, for example, the beast, perhaps that will equal 666, whatever his name is going to be. Uh, People worship or believe in him and his image. They want it. The beast will then share his code or his seed or his DNA, the charagma, the imprint. And then worshiping the beast and the image and taking the mark is what makes a person transformed, is to transfer the DNA forever. So, again, just to help uh, clarify this, in order for this mark to take, uh, and what is going to damn people forever is if they take the mark of the beast if they worship the beast and they worship the image of the beast so there's three things that are required for this transformation and w- if they do those three things then there will be no hope for them because they will have done something that they were not supposed to do so with that in mind we then can turn our attention to the image of the beast. And it says he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. And he causes all both small and great, and we already read that there. And so, again, this is the mark that we're looking at here. So this false prophet is going to give breath to the image of the beast of the beast and this image is going to then in turn make everybody get the uh, the transformation. So here we have uh, some some talking heads. Um, welcome to the talking head demonstration and I'm the result of a collaboration between the speech and vision groups at the Cambridge the Research Lab in the oh. UK. Until recently I only had a voice. Now I have a synthesized face too. Year, I so because it's it's hard to uh hear her uh in in the uh the broadcast here uh but you can see that this is a face that is completely computer generated now we've seen computer generated faces but again this is one that can absolutely interact with the computer again quite astounding uh there is also baby x uh baby x is is very cute and uh so this again is a computer program Uh, This is not a video of uh, this man's baby, but it's a computer program, and here he is looking at, and the computer, or baby X, is actually looking at him, and you have to just say, oh, isn't she cute, all right, but again, these are the kinds of technological advances that are happening uh, in this uh, field. Now, again, I am all for such things. I think it's wonderful The technological advances that we're making are exciting, but when you put it all together and it gets in the hands of the wrong person, that could be catastrophic. We also have uh, we also have uh, the the um, all the, the different ways to make avatars, and so uh, we have uh, Einstein. We have the first robot citizen in Saudi Arabia, uh, and again, we're getting very close to the place where you can have robots that are now becoming lifelike. We're not quite there. But we're getting there. Uh, So Sophia, she's this humanoid robot, and uh, she is on her way to actually looking and sounding quite uh, human. Now, there's, of course, sadly, another uh, trade, um, or I call it industry, where you have uh, early versions. uh, uh, Well, could these be kind of early versions of the image of the beast or something that is actually very seductive? And it feels so lifelike, it looks so lifelike uh, that men are willing to spend an evening uh, with these robots instead of with a human counterpart. And again, it is something that is happening now and it will not be long until uh, this becomes a huge, huge industry. Now, Not that it should be, but uh, that is where we're going. So it's the combination of worshiping the beast Plus the image plus uh worshipping the image, then that is going to lead the transformation, and after that happens, there's no going back. And so we see in Revelation chapter fourteen, the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself all shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out in full strength in the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels into the presence of the lamb so the people that do these three things they worship the beast and his image and they receive the mark now this is very significant because sometimes people say well what if the mark is forced on me i don't want it and and somebody makes me take this thing well according to what we see here there, there are three things that have to happen it's not just that you get the mark of the beast and uh, if that is, in fact, a genetic transformation, if somebody injects uh, this DNA strand into you and you didn't want it, uh, does that mean that you're, you're doomed forever? I would argue no, because just getting the mark of the beast is not sufficient. They have to get the mark of the beast and they have to worship the beast and his image So it's these three things. So they worship or serve the beast and is in favor and welcoming what the beast stands for. Then they have to worship and serve the image. Again, this person is in favor of and welcomes the image and then receives or welcomes the mark. If these things happen, then there's no uh, undoing it. Now, this is important because the person is ideologically in favor of the beast. He won't and cannot be forced to take the mark. He must want it. And it's very interesting, some of the research that's being done, uh, in particular by Dr. Bruce Lipton, he says that our beliefs control our cells. And so here you can see a uh, a very uh, uh, a close-up of a cell. Uh, this is, of course, an animation, but this is a, a close-up of a cell wall. And nothing can get through if the cell senses that there is danger out there. And so if there's danger, then the cell was going to literally close up. So from belief or worship to transformation, first, the the mind has to believe something to be true regardless of the reality. Then the brain is going to send a signal, electrical or chemical, to the cells. And then the environmental stimulus binds to cell membrane. Chemical reactions inside cell reaches the nucleus and a gene becomes expressed as a protein. That's what's happening uh, in a nutshell uh, in the cell. So first of all, the mind has to think something to be true. Okay, so uh, imagine that a a zebra is being chased by a lion. Uh, the the brain sends uh, signals to the chemicals, "Hey, we're being chased. We got to run." And so what happens is the cells close shop, close up shop. They don't let anything happen anymore. Uh, they they really shut down, and then all of the extra energy goes to the legs and the blood to the legs, so they can get away from the lane. And so all the things that were happening in the cells all the different processes and the um, different transformations come to a stop and then once the lion goes away the zebra goes back to being in a relaxed state and then uh, the production continues in the cell as before and this is because it senses that there's danger so if somebody wants to take the mark of the beast they have to be in favor of what is happening and only then if they're in favor of that membrane. and just seven wide, this phospholipid bilayer is- so with that in mind we're looking at this uh, this uh, the membrane and we have receptor proteins these receptor proteins are going to receive some kind of an extracellular messenger which will then send a signal to the intracellular member and the chemical messenger a ligand is going to come and it's going to send a signal into the cell Uh, and that's called the effector protein that's inside the cell but again if the cell senses that there's bad times coming it's not going to allow uh, various outside things into the cell and so there is communication between the inside and the outside of the cell this is very very important to understand and again we're talking about the mark of the beast so if the, when the mark of the beast comes, if, it, if someone tries to force it on somebody to, tr- to try to change your DNA, but you say, I don't want this, I don't want this, then you're sending signals to your cells saying, hey, times are bad, close up shop, and then it will not receive the DNA strand. But if you like it, then things will uh, open up and it will, be, it will be received. And so this is important to understand because – uh, this is kind of the same idea as a placebo effect and we've all heard about placebos um they they work somewhere between 18 to 80 percent of the time and it's not just in your head it actually uh the the placebo what's the placebo a placebo is essentially a sugar pill that you believe to be the real thing you don't know that it's a sugar pill You you've been told you know here this is a pill that's going to take care of your uh, different problems it's going to help you dilate your bronchi it's this is this pill is going to heal your ulcer this pill is pill uh, is going to uh, make warts disappear it's going to drop your blood pressure and it's even going to uh, make bald men who think they're getting rogaine grow hair all right so this is the power of the 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 placebo the power of the placebo so What's happening then is the mind is thinking, oh, this is real, this is good, and so it can actually transform the body. So if the mind says, I don't want to receive this mark of the beast, then it will not receive it. But if the mind says, I want to receive the mark of the beast, then it will receive it and the transformation will actually uh, take place. And so, again, uh, there's also the nocebo effect where negative beliefs can harm your health. Uh, And things that have happened, such as fatigue, vomiting, muscle weakness, colds, ringing in the ears, taste disturbances, memory disturbances. Remember, that's that's the big long list of things. These are the possible side effects. Some people read those and then they say, oh, my goodness, you know, I got this ringing in the ears. I don't know why. And turns out that they were taking a placebo, but they read the, you know, here are the possible side effects. And then they started to get that side effect Uh, again, just the power of the mind in relationship to the taking or the receiving of the mark of the beast and again what i'm what i'm really trying to drive home here is that if a person doesn't want to receive the mark of the beast it cannot be forced upon them because the body will reject whatever is put into it and uh, again there's all kinds of uh, interesting data i'm going to just skip through a little bit of this Uh, i think it's not entirely pertinent at the moment to uh, understand all of these different things concerning uh seals and nocebos but very very interesting stuff and so we now have god's plan for uh, man versus transhumanism just a review again god wants us to be immortal to have angelic like bodies to be disease-free super intelligent uh limitless powers And and transhumanism uh, pretends to give these very same things, but God wants to give us those first. He's already made our bodies so amazing. And if we would really believe that we could move mountains, as Jesus said we could, if we don't doubt, then we'd see even more amazing things. Uh, And as far as uh, taking this, the person has these three things in order to be completely transformed. They have to worship the beast, worship the image, and receive the mark of the beast and then there is no going back. And then uh just to to kind of bring this all together I wanted to share from Daniel chapter 2. He says as you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay they will mingle. Here the the Aramaic is mitarvin lehevon with the the seed of men bizra anashah. So they're going to literally mix themselves, mingle themselves with the seed of men but they will not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay and in the days of these kings the god of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed so in modern terms they will hybridize mingle mix crossbreed themselves with the genetic material or seed of mankind so to hybridize that's to say that these kings will mingle this the seed of man must necessarily that they it means that they are not uh humans they're from a different uh species they're not men so they're not of the seed of men therefore they will mingle with the seed of men must mean that they are not themselves of the seed of men which is to say they're not human if they're not human then what are they well the ten horns that you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet but they receive authority for one hour with kings uh, as kings with the beast so they were kings in john's day they will be in the days of antichrist and so therefore they're at least 2000 years old and since no humans have lived 2000 years they must be a different kind of uh being and i would suggest that they are fallen angels or potentially demons and so we come now to the genetics of satan's seed so the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of satan with all power signs and lying wonders the dragon gave him the beast his power his throne and great authority and so they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast and they worship the beast saying who is like the beast who is able to make war with him so this this beast or this antichrist person is going to have the very power of the devil he's going to have his throne and he's going to have great authority he's going to have the authority of the dragon and this is why i would suggest that this antichrist is not going to be a regular person he's going to have some kind of a genetic transformation that will happen in him uh in Genesis 3:15 I will cause enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed all right so he's speaking to satan saying that satan has seed and that's the beginning of this and we see in Genesis chapter 6 that the sons of god came down and they took daughters of men and they begat the nephilim or the giants as a result and so as it was in the days of noah so it will be at the coming of the son of man so looking at this transformation i believe in daniel 7 8 we have a description of the transformation of the antichrist going from being a a regular human to becoming now someone who is transhuman or post-human or who is literally becoming the beast daniel says i was considering the horns and there was another horn a little one coming up among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots and it says it grew up to the host the tseva of heaven and it cast down some of the host tseva and some of the stars to the ground and trampled them and even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host so what i see here is that this little this little horn there's some kind of a transformation that it is going to become one of the other horns three of them are going to be plucked out by the roots but it's going to be grow up to be one of them and then it will have actually power over them it grows up to the host of heaven and it's going to cast down some of the host of heaven now the host of heaven here are talking about some kind of angelic beings i would suggest these are bad angels and some of the stars to the ground and it trampled them. So it has now the power over the some angelic beings. And it says he even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. Who's the prince of the host? It's not Jesus. The prince of the host is actually the angel Michael, right? the, the archangel Michael. We see that in Daniel chapter 12, that he is the the uh, the chief prince who stands watch over the nation of Israel. And because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices, and he cast truth down to the ground. He did all this, and he prospered. So I would suggest that he is going to become become one of the fallen angels. How will he do that? He will receive the DNA from Satan. He will then mix it into himself, and he will literally become a hybrid and then when his dna has been transformed he will take that and he will take the strand then this new strand and he will give it to humanity who will then take it and they will become uh, similar to him not the same in strength but they will also want to have the same kind of immortality that this one has so the implication is if that the ten horns are demonic then the little horn ascends to their level he rises up in likeness to them In other words, the little horn becomes of like nature to the ten horns. He is transformed from simply human to a genetic hybrid between Satan and human. He becomes the beast. And so the Antichrist is going to be the genetic son of Satan. He will obtain Satan's own genetic material and then insert it in his body using possibly recombinant DNA or Casper Crisp 9 technology or or even something better by then. Uh, We don't know entirely. But Satan will have finally succeeded Uh, in the incarnation he will have finally succeeded uh, in imitating the incarnation Uh, the conclusion fulfills the Genesis 3.15 Uh, plus it is consistent with uh, what other angels did back in Noah's day and so with all of that in mind We uh, see that it's consistent with what happens in Daniel 2.43. It's consistent with the technology of transhumanism in that dissimilar kinds can now be mingled and is also consistent with the research of Dr. John Mack as well. And um, that there's kind of maybe an alien race is going to possibly come or something like that. And uh, it also seems to fit what the New Agers are expecting that we're waiting for a dna upgrade and for the cosmic christ to lead them to the next level so again uh this is kind of how it it, it potentially can all fit together and i think that there's really two paths before the world one is we can go after what what satan has for us It, it looks all glittery it looks nice but it's an imitation of the real thing or we can follow what god has for us that he wants to transform us to be something beautiful. He has a body that will never fade away. And so we want to, of course, take the the, the right thing. Uh, we've looked at the progression, there was no God, we've evolved, we can choose what we wanna be, there's 71 different genders, there's all this confusion, uh, major progress in genetics, illness and disease will decrease, transhumanism, evolve into what you wanna be, you can augment yourself. And then we see the image of the beast and there's various technologies that are being put into that, I would suggest. And then we could potentially live forever. And then the rise of the mark of the beast, the ultimate upgrade. But again, God already has the upgrade. What did God say? Nothing that they will have a mind to do will be impossible for them. I believe that that it is coming, that the transhumanists are working overtime to make this a reality. And that when we finally get to that point of that singularity, whatever it is, God himself will have to step in and save the day, and he will, and it's an exciting time. Thank you for watching. I appreciate uh, all of you uh, hanging in there with me. Uh, I'm going to now stop the the broadcast, or not the broadcast, but I'll I'll stop the um, sharing so I can take some of your questions. So hopefully we are, um, we can take a few moments here and we can. Stop sharing, and I can go ahead and uh, take some of your questions. So, looks like we have some questions. Let me just get to those really quick here. All right. So, the questions, exciting stuff. All right. So, here are some of the questions. Let me go back. All right. All right. So, our first question comes from uh, Keith. He says, What is the seal of God? What do you think the counterfeit will be? Well, again, as I suggested in the uh, discussion, I think the counterfeit will, in fact, be the mark of the beast. So, uh, great. I do appreciate your question. Let me keep going. Here's another question Does Jordan Peterson meet the criteria for being one of the two witnesses? Uh, Great question. I don't know. I really can't say. Uh, who the two witnesses are going to be by name i could potentially give you some descriptions of what they're going to be like but i don't know the name uh, what their names will be so thanks for the question um okay let's see here our next question um i'm just scrolling through the questions trying to uh, see where the next question is. It always helps you when you guys put the word question in front of it so I can see you uh, want me to address something. Sometimes there's a lot of interesting chatter that's happening uh, in there. And I, uh, of course, don't have time to get into that. But let me see if there are any other questions. Let's see. Still looking for more questions. There must be some, some in here. OK. Well, um, let's see. Looking for questions. Okay. Well, I'm not really seeing any more questions. So, fantastic, guys. Uh, Again, thanks for, uh, here's one. (laughs) It just came in. Fantastic. (laughs) Okay, James. Uh, He asked, will the beast be consumed by Christ's breath and then thrown alive into the pit? Uh, we have Micah 5, Revelation 19. Uh, you also have Daniel chapter 7 uh, that talks about that. That's one of my favorite passages to uh, look at, at that. the Daniel chapter 7 where we see that uh, he says, I watched till thrones were put in place and the ancient of days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame its wheels of burning fire a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him and it says and i watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking and i watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame so uh so this sense of um you know who this is going to be um uh, again, I don't I don't know who he's going to be, but he is going to be captured, and he's going to be to be destroyed by the very fire that is coming out of God. Uh, Jesus Himself will be coming back in flaming fire, so it may very well be the very fire coming from from uh, from Jesus Himself that will destroy him. So, great question. Thanks for asking, James. Appreciate that. And let's see here another question could you please explain in more detail what you're saying about cells okay so when it comes to the cells a, a, a cell you have the, the the cell membrane right the cell membrane is really the communication center of the cell uh, for a long time we used to think that the uh, the brain of the cell was in the nucleus but um, uh, dr. Lipton Bruce Lipton he actually enucleated cells. He took the nucleus out of the cell and the cell kept on living. And he's like, my my goodness, if this is the brain, how could it keep on living? What he discovered is that the nucleus is kind of where you keep the blueprints, All right? So if something needed to be repaired or they needed to, the cell needs to do some upgrades or something, it will go into the nucleus, get the blueprints, so to speak, and then make a copy of whatever part is needed so ultimately the cell would die after about two months of not having a nucleus but where there's really the communication uh is is at the the membrane level so if if at the membrane it's getting a signal from the brain times are bad we're in big trouble shut down everything okay then it, it literally will shut shut the doors and nutrients cannot get into the cell and what what that means then is if somebody is forced to take the mark of the beast but in their heart they're saying i don't want this thing i want nothing to do with this then the cells are going to close up and they're not going to receive whatever that strand would be and so what that means then is that even though you could potentially inject somebody with this this uh this hybrid dna it will not go into their dna because the cells are literally closing up and not allowing any foreign substance into the cell so that's the good news is there's kind of this there seems to be this fail-safe mechanism that god has put in place so that people's dna cannot be changed against their will so a great question uh that's a great question uh question what do you think about the various supposed evidence about the catholic church creating islam uh It's an interesting question. Uh, I think sometimes we look uh, at some conspiracies and we assume that there's too much of a mastermind, that somebody is really pulling all the switches. I think sometimes things just happen. Now, I I would definitely suggest that some of the activities of the church may have helped in the creation of Islam. All right, so uh, some of the weird doctrines and, and whatnot, and making it more difficult to come to Christ, could have helped build, you know, set the stage for the creation of Islam, uh, or that there's just a sense of, really, that's what we're all about. No, no, we're gonna do something else. But as far as the Catholic Church, you know, kind of going behind the curtain and saying we're gonna create this thing called Islam, I, I don't believe that at all. I, I think that's uh, just <laughs> it's just uh, conspiracy theory. Uh, conspiracy thinking and uh, it's not based in reality but again could because of some of the you know the the weird things that the church was doing have led to the creation of islam sure i think that is entirely possible so uh, very good let's see here uh, give us your thoughts on the two witnesses uh, my thoughts on the two witnesses i, I i'm inclined to think that it's probably moses and elijah all right. Now, again, could it be Enoch? I don't know. Could it be neither of them? That's also a possibility. OK, that's also a possibility. But my, my current thinking is that, it, I, you know, as far as I can tell, the two that seem to be represented probably the best would be Moses and Elijah. But I think it's really speculation. We can't say And So I'll be the first to admit it's speculation and it's just a guess. And I could be completely wrong about that. So uh, so just take that with a grain of salt um uh, frank asks why do so many people allegorize so much of scriptures uh thank you for answering my study question you're welcome uh why do they allegorize scripture well the the thing is um if you are anti-semitic and you think that god hates the jews or he hates israel and now all of those things have been transferred to the church. You're, the only method of interpretation you could really use that will be consistent, I'm not saying right, but will be consistent with its own system, is an allegorical interpretation. All right. So if you're saying, well, look, you know, the Jews rejected Jesus, and so now God has rejected them. All right. And now he has this new people, he has this new entity called the church. So the question is, how do you take all those promises made? in the hebrew scriptures and now apply them to this new thing called the church the only way to do that is to allegorize it otherwise you have to say well it says that it's talking about israel you know and i'm not ethnically israel people might say so how could that happen well it's allegory all right so i think that is the reason uh a lot of people do it because they're looking for a way to have a consistent method of interpretation all right and 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 people are not so much upset that it's maybe the wrong method, but they, they people really don't like it when their method of interpretation is inconsistent within itself, okay? So, um, you know, I used to be a dispensationalist. Uh, I am no longer today, but I will say this, that there are people who have made some theological choices, uh, one being that we are not in the new covenant currently. Why would people say that? Because they want to be consistent within their own framework so if you are part of if you buy into the dispensational model uh, and you say well there's the there's Israel back here and there's the church over here and then you read something like Jeremiah 31 31 where it says behold the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel the house of Judah right and you're like well wait a second uh you know I'm neither of those so how can I be in the new covenant When I'm neither of those, I'm this other thing called the church. That's going to get raptured out. So again, people do those kind of, uh, I would say bizarre interpretations, but they do that so they can be consistent within their own framework. And and that's one reason that people, uh, are attracted to the allegorical method because it's, it, it maintains a, a consistent method of interpretation, even though I would suggest that it's greatly flawed, but it's still consistent within its own framework. And so. Uh, great question Uh, Alana says so uh, Satan's or beast DNA will be willingly injected in humans could he appear as a fake alien I absolutely think so Uh, my perspective on the the beast is that he is going to be somebody who is kind of a chameleon that uh, to the Muslims he's going to look like the Mahdi all right Uh, to the some to some Jews not all Jews but some Jews he might look like the Mashiach all right um to some new agers etc he might look like the Maitreya, all right and or the cosmic christ or whatever you want to call him uh to people who are looking for ufos he's going to look like an alien all right and so i believe that every group will have their reasons to say this guy fits the bill this guy is our man and that that uh they're going to look at him and they're all going to kind of see him as fulfilling their definition of what this end times savior ought to be uh but it's interesting because the whole world is going to be um persuaded by this person so he must be somebody that is going to fulfill some type of um some some type of their prophecies or whatever it may be in their tradition and so that when they see him they're like oh yeah this is the guy because he matches all these different points and so he's the guy um so yeah could he look like a fake alien absolutely he can look like a lot of things uh, i think probably a number of muslims will think that he is in fact uh the Mahdi. um so again this is why there will be an incredible amount of deception Uh, at that time and i'm really excited because this is all going to be in the movie we have uh all of this uh written in it's pretty exciting stuff to see um so uh yeah bruce lipton i I know he's on uh youtube uh i I don't agree with everything that bruce lipton says just a disclaimer all right Uh, he does kind of lean in some uh new age perspectives on some things so i'm not endorsing that but what i do appreciate about him is that he uh what is and was a fact uh, a uh, a molecular biologist and so he he knows the stuff when it comes to molecular biology his conclusions as far as you know how we got here in spirituality that's another question and, and i don't endorse those things um so yeah. yeah james says if forced to take the mark of the beast i will be in a total fight and freak out mode <laughs> there you go good idea uh it's great so all right let me see if there are any other questions looks like I think we got oh there's oh just when I said that there's some more. Uh, so here, question: uh, What is the mark of God? You answered that well. The beast. You know, I I don't know. I don't know what the mark of God is. Now, if you want, kind of my what do I imagine it could be? Um, you know, maybe maybe the angels are going to put their hands on people. And I uh, remember in the the Lord of the Rings, you know, when the the ring in the fire, it was emblazoned. And it had that kind of glowing sense. You know, maybe the maybe the angels will put their hands on on certain people on the 144,000, and there will be this kind of you know maybe it'll say uh in Paleo Hebrew, right? And and then it, maybe maybe it'll stay glowing. Maybe it'll go away. I don't know. This is speculation on my part. Uh, but maybe it'll be something like that. I would suggest it. It's probably going to be the name. But you know, again, if if the 666 represents the name of the beast then then the uh the mark of god is probably going to be the actual name of god but again speculation so take that with a grain of salt Uh, do you believe that this is the second time satan is attempting to take over the world such as in the days of noah yes i i absolutely do i think the difference is that this time he will be personally involved what happened in the days of Noah? Uh, it seems that he himself was not actually involved. Why do I suggest that because it says that the angels who did not keep their first estate uh, have been put into chains of eternal darkness uh, to wait for judgment until the final day and so we we see that Satan is, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour so he's out and about he's free and but there's a class of angels fallen angels who are in this this place this dungeon, called tartarus there are these massive chains on them and they're stuck there until they get let out in revelation chapter 9. so uh, satan himself will throw his dna into the mix and as a result that will get him in big trouble so much so that he will then be put into the abyss <clears throat> for a thousand years so a uh, great question Okay, uh, let's see here. Okay, have you heard of any propaganda-based predictive programming movies setting up the Antichrist and Mark of the Beast set to hit screens that your movies can expose as such? Um, I, I, not that I, I can't think of any offhand. There, there may be some out there, but I can't think of any offhand. So uh, great question. Um. Somebody says uh, the Mahdi fits the description of the Antichrist. Indeed, he does uh, for the Muslims. Uh, but again, I think there's a, all these other people that are not looking for a Mahdi kind of person, and they're going to just as well receive this person as their savior, uh, and they don't want to convert to Islam. Okay. So, uh, so that's where I think when we just focus on one one tradition such as Islam. Or you know, one weird perspective, such as the New Age, or or you know, the people who are expecting the uh, Universal Christ or whatever he may be. Uh, I would suggest this person is going to be somebody who looks and fits the bill. But he, you know, from the from the Muslims' perspective, he looks like the Mahdi. From the new ager's perspective, he looks like the Cosmic Christ. Uh, and so he will have that perspective, uh, or he will have that that image from everyone's uh, everyone's perspective okay so the physical mark just shows that you've had your dna modified yes aaron uh, that that is my perspective again i could be wrong on that so it is speculation but what i'm suggesting is that let's say you take this maybe you take it orally maybe you have it injected uh and then your body begins to transform and um i would suggest that this thing is going to show up over time it doesn't happen immediately why would i suggest that because Uh, It can take anywhere from just a few days up until 10 years to change out all of your DNA or all of your cells. Uh, Your bone cells take up to 10 years uh, to replace those, Uh, whereas uh, other things uh, are replaced very quickly. So, you know, this transformation can begin in some very notable places, but then other things like your bones will take much longer. Um, And what it seems to me is that we're going to have a manifestation that there will be some kind of a growth that will happen either here on your forehead or on your right hand. And then people say, Oh yeah, that person got the mark, right? They got this, uh, molecular transformation and now there's physical proof. Now we have a sort of a, a proof of purchase, if you will, that, um, that people can can look for. So I, I don't think that we're getting something here so that we can go through, um, you know, Walmart faster. I, I just don't believe that at all. I, I would suggest that what is it's going to something is going to develop because of this transformation. Not you're not getting it too just for that, but it's it's going to happen, and then that's the physical proof that you've actually gotten it. So, uh, good question. Uh, can I explain Romans nine seventeen? And 21 predestination uh great question but not for this show so we will have to do that another time uh there's just too many questions so we'll stay on target here uh aaron asked another question so the physical mark just signifies that you've had your dna altered it's actually the dna alteration that renders you unsavable and not just a physical mark correct yes that is exactly what i'm saying aaron that it's the the, the reason for getting the the tra forgetting the mark Again, it's not to go through the supermarket faster. The reason people get it is because they are enticed with this idea that they can live forever. They can have superhuman strength, that they will be transformed into a god. That's the reason why they get it, because they want to be a god. And uh, and that's what the transhumanists are working toward, as I as I showed in the presentation. That's what they're working toward. They're working toward becoming gods. And now that is a good reason to change your DNA to become a god. Not just so you can get you know buy your Starbucks faster. I mean, come on, it doesn't take that long, right? So, um, and so then the physical mark is an outgrowth. All right, it's something because your DNA has changed that this little thing just seems to happen. It's the scar that's left over. Uh, it's the byproduct, it's the, the side effect of this transformation, right? Just like if you take some medications, your hair might fall out, fall out you might get an ulcer, etc. The side effect of this thing is that you have this physical mark on your hand or on your forehead. Now, again, that is speculation on my part, but as I've been studying this, that seems to make the most sense with the facts that we have to work with. So, good question. Uh, isn't the beast indwelt by the the devil? Uh, it's a it's a good question. Now he may actually be physically indwelt. That's possible, but there might be uh, there might be another solution. What if when Satan gives his DNA to the beast, and then this man becomes a beast, he becomes a hybrid? That now there's actually a a real bond. There's a connection between Satan and The Antichrist so that Satan may not need to possess him because possession is is a a spiritual entity inhabiting or possessing a physical body so that that spiritual entity can have a physical presence in this physical world. But if you have now someone who has is co-mingled with Satan and he has his DNA, it's very possible i think it's likely based on the idea of quantum entanglement that we would actually have a a quantum connection between uh, satan and the antichrist uh satan is so pleased with this person he believes in this person so much that he's going to give him his throne his power and his authority i mean satan is really really convinced so again i cannot i can't say that satan will not possess this man But I I would suggest it's probably unlikely uh, that he would do so because there's really no need to do that. So uh, great question. Thank you. Let's see some more questions here. Um, Okay, why lock Satan up for 1,000 years to let him out again? Well, as I suggested, I believe that the reason he's going to finally get locked up is because he actually will take his DNA. He'll take his seed and he will commingle it inhumanity and that's a big no-no and that's what got the uh the 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 angels back in genesis chapter six locked up because they did that very thing and so that will actually be satan's uh, penalty for for doing that same thing now why let him out after that because well i don't know entirely but god has this plan that there will be uh this period of of human history of six uh seven thousand years and so there's a a a stage the last thousand years is when Satan and all of his bad guys are put away, humanity gets to live in, in just perfect harmony and bliss. And then what we're going to see is that even though they've had a thousand amazing years, once Satan is let out, there are people that are still waiting for him to come be their champion. So what I what I what I see is that they are they're kind of in the kingdom uh, they're under Jesus' rule, but their hearts are not with Jesus. And so Jesus, uh, or, you know, Jesus, God, always gives mankind what he wants. This is what you want? Here you go, all right? God is about freedom. And if people don't want to be part of his kingdom, okay, they don't have to be. He's not going to force them. And so he's going to let Satan out and all of his his fallen angels. He will let them out, and they can follow Satan. And then Satan is going to stage this massive coup where, you know, he obviously has a plan. He's not an idiot. He's got this big, big plan to overtake the new Jerusalem. Uh, and I, I describe all of that in my book, The Millennium Chronicles. It will also be in the third movie, so I'm very excited about that. Uh, you'll have to wait a little bit and see see the, 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 the ending. But uh, he's got this plan as to how they can win. And I think that he believes that they're going to win. And that's why people are going to really follow him. But, but really, he gets out, and people want him. They're waiting for him. They're hoping for him to come and be their their uh, to be their savior, to be their their champion, if you will. So, uh, great. Let's uh, see some more questions here. Okay, I'm looking for more questions. Who are the two olive trees and lampstands and scriptures? Believers or jews and gentiles uh great question aaron uh let me just turn you to uh my friend Doctor doug krieger uh, he's written um let's see so one of these books back here i've got uh yeah <laughs> the two witnesses okay so check that out doug krieger he wrote a book called the two witnesses and he has uh some great ideas about that but Uh, from my perspective I would suggest the two olive trees are probably the same as the two witnesses and where I stand today is that the two witnesses are going to be two specific people my uh, hunch is that it will be Moses and uh, and Elijah but you know again I could be wrong on that so (laughs) I'm quite okay with with changing if I get more information on that so uh, Frank asks, "What about the notion of the original sin being a sexual intercourse between the serpent and uh, Eve?" Hava, uh, I myself do not buy into that theory. I think that is a theory that really doesn't have any scriptural support. Uh, it says very clearly, and Satan and um, Adam knew his wife Eve, and they had a son, Cain. All right, so I just don't know where you put put the Satan put the serpent in there. Uh, I know that it's a it's an interesting idea. There is some Jewish mysticism that talks about that as well. You have Lilith, uh, you know that. I, I just I just don't think that there's good scriptural support for that. If the scripture said that, fine. But I, I just don't see scripture saying that. In fact, it says just the opposite. Adam knew his wife Eve, and they had a son, and then they had Cain, right? And she says, "Hey, I've gotten a son by by uh, Yehovah." So uh, I I just don't see the, the scriptural support. Uh, John asks, how does a DNA change cause no man to buy or sell without it? Well, um, there could be other, other layers to this. Uh, if, we, if the blockchain technology catches on and uh, they can actually encode some kind of uh, your genetic information in the blockchain, in the, in the, the blockchain currency, then it may be that in order to have you know, social credits or whatever the currency may be, I don't think it's going to be the dollar at all. It'll probably be some kind of an online uh, blockchain currency, uh, something kind of like Bitcoin, but not entirely, something way better than Bitcoin, uh, that it, it won't be that you, you have to have... It's, so in other words, the penalty of not having the mark is that you don't get to buy and sell. But again, that's not the reason to get the mark. That's the penalty. If you don't, you become an outcast. You become uh, a pariah to the society, and you can no longer exist in it. And so you're now you're you are shunned uh, because probably, presumably, uh, there will be a kind of a grace period where you're expected to get it, and you don't get it immediately. But then, okay, you know, you need to kind of get on get with the program. And, you know, maybe there's a, a, you know, like 10 days, you don't have to get it. And then you, then there's another transition where, okay, people that don't get it now, they can't buy and sell at, you know, whatever. And then after a while, it's like, okay, we're going to take this to the next level. If you don't get this thing, you're going to lose your head. All right. And so I, I see that what scripture does is give us the bullet points of these things it doesn't give us all the details and give us all the history you know it's just giving us you know this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened you know it's kind of like when you when you read up on uh world war ii right there's all these different battles and all this different stuff but a lot of times these gigantic battles and these strategies they get reduced to just bullet points you know hitler did this the allies did this hitler did this the allies did this but behind those bullet points is just you know sometimes months or years of uh planning there are hundreds of thousands of men and fighting and all this different stuff and strategies that are happening that get reduced to one little bullet point and i think that's what happens many times in the bible is that there's there's a just a wealth of things that are going to happen but we only get the bullet point and so it does require a little bit of imagination uh based uh mixed with you know, research as to what we see in our day. And then, you know, doing the very best we can to scour the scriptures and look for other clues to try to fill in the blanks. So that's what I'm attempting to do. I, I'm sure I did it imperfectly, but I'm trying to do that to the very best of my ability. So uh, Teresa, love the Millennium Chronicles. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it was it was a lot of work and it was a lot of fun, but I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Uh, John asks, uh, Revelation 13 says that he causes all to receive a mark. This sounds like MK Ultra or something like it's not a choice. Your thoughts? Well, we know that not everybody is going to get the mark. That um, there will be people who are going to lose their heads. We see that in Revelation chapter 20. So it would seem that when it says that all are going to get the mark, he causes all to receive the mark. Um, I mean, different, different possibilities to that uh one it just means all who get the mark continue to live all right uh then those that don't don't get to buy and sell and then eventually they lose their heads or maybe there's another option uh maybe if what i'm suggesting is that everybody gets this thing but because they don't worship the image and they don't worship the beast even though they received it it did not transform their bodies because they did not uh, worship the image And worship the beast so uh it's a great question and uh, maybe there's maybe there's something in there so uh but i but but still in order to be transformed the person has to be willing and wanting to get this so that's a that's a great one uh let's see here all right i think um Uh, you know it's okay Frank I know you're not trying to stump me I'm just trying to I'm trying to give you the the, the best I can with the knowledge I have so uh, I'm going to uh, end it on that note guys thank you this has been a blast it's really been a lot of fun we're at two hours now so thank you for your great questions Uh, thanks for sticking in there and for uh, all you do again if you're interested the book corrupting the image I talk about a lot of these different ideas also uh i do have uh class lectures on this where i take a whole semester and i talk about this in great detail uh, there's the uh, rise of the nephilim i got lots of other uh, dvds and studies you can either check them out on youtube if you want to go to my website douglashamp.com uh, forward slash store you can get those dvds there as well also my things are on uh, amazon so thanks again god bless you guys until next time all i can recommend Is that you stay in the word because God's word is so good? Till next time, God bless.